Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Okay, so we're reading my book, The Pesky Kids 3, Stuck in the Mud, and we're up to the last chapter today. So that's chapter 29, What Happened? So let's get into it. Constable Pike arrived on the scene moments later, but then he had to figure out what happened so he could be sure he was arresting the right people. Mayor was clear-cut. The $10,000 in her crop top was pretty conclusive evidence that she had robbed the bank. So Constable Pike put her in handcuffs in the back of his car. But it turned out there were more misdeeds than he had imagined. You've got to arrest Brad too, said Finn. What, said Constable Pike? Why? He was in league with Maya, said Finn. Look over there, he's sitting in the plane. Everyone turned to look at the small biplane. Brad's hulking figure could be seen crammed into the pilot's seat. He seemed to be desperately searching for something down by his knees. "'What's he doing?' asked April. "'He looks like he's having some sort of fit.' "'I think he's looking for these,' said Finn, holding up a set of keys. "'What are they?' asked Loretta. "'The keys to the plane,' said Finn. "'Why have you got them?' asked April. Finn flushed before admitting, "'I may have briefly considered using the plane to drop mud on the contestants.' You went power mad, didn't you? accused April. Being course master totally went to your head. You became so deluded you seriously considered stealing a plane to dump dirt on people. Not steal, borrow, said Finn sheepishly. Short man syndrome, said April, shaking her head sadly. Everyone says I'm the crazy one, but I'm average height. Whereas you give a short man power and he loses his marbles every time. Napoleon, Mussolini... Now Finn. Statistically, everyone was short in the past, said Finn. Compared to now, the diet was nutritionally poorer, which meant that the average height was much shorter, so all leaders were short by modern standards. Except for George Washington, he was six foot three. And Henry VIII, he was six foot four. Palm can be a deer and bite Finn, otherwise I don't think he'll ever stop talking, said April. This was Pumpkin's favourite command to follow. He barked once, then leapt teeth first at Finn. Ah! screamed Finn before taking off across the mud-covered bowling green at such a speed he could have been a serious contender in the mud race if he had entered. Constable Pike waded through the mud to the biplane, slapped a pair of handcuffs on Brad and pulled him out. It was all her idea, declared Brad hysterically. I didn't want to trick Mr. Chelsea into paying all the prize money. It was her idea. Maya was rubbing her head. She still looked groggy. The plan was to win the prize money and rob the bank, said Brad. That way we'd be robbing the same town twice. That's really clever, said Loretta, admiringly, because winning the race would be your alibi for robbing the bank. Nobody would imagine that you could do both. To rob a bank when you're a famous athlete, you'd need a disguise, said Finn. And what better disguise than covering yourself in mud in a town where there are 5,000 other people also covered in mud? 
It would be genius it weren't so stupid, observed April. I tried to tell her it wouldn't work, said Brad. So that's what you were doing at boot camp, Tom remembered. We thought you were telling her to give up the race, but you were telling her to give up the plan to rob the bank. But why, asked Joe, why resort to crime when you're an Olympic silver medalist? The medals aren't made of solid silver, you know, said Brad. She needed the money. We both needed the money. I'm being sued by the last town where I staged a mud run for causing irreversible mud damage to their giant alpaca. Okay, everyone, save it for your official statements down at the station, said Constable Pike. I'm never going to remember all this. I need to get it down on tape. Plus, don't you need to caution a suspect and read them their rights, asked Finn. Stop telling me how to do my job, grumbled Constable Pike, as he led his prisoner away. The pesky kids all spent the afternoon making official statements at the police station, then doing that all over again when the police from the city arrived and had to have everything explained to them from the beginning. So it was the early hours of the following morning when Joe, Finn, April and Loretta were finally able to head home. I'm exhausted, said Finn, as he trudged out the front door of the police station, where Dad and Ingrid were waiting to take them home. Why are you exhausted, said April. You're the only one here who didn't do the mud run. Operating heavy machinery isn't easy, you know, said Finn. Better than being on the receiving end, said Joe. He still hadn't entirely forgiven Finn for the mud-flinging catapult. There was a squeal of tyres that halted their conversation mid-insult. This was probably a good thing because April had been considering trying to shove Finn in the nearest rubbish bin. A familiar navy blue Mercedes pulled up in front of them. Oh, it's Henrietta, said Loretta. I love it when she visits. Things are never dull. The diminutive, yet fear-inspiring lawyer got out of her car and declared, Excellent, perfect location. I'm glad I found you all here. At the police station, asked April, confused by the lawyer's seemingly random statement. No, right outside the courthouse, said the lawyer. In Currawong, like many country towns, the courthouse had been built next door to the police station. There was not a lot of crime in Currawong, so the building was never used for its original purpose. But technically, the small, unused timber shack was a courthouse. That'll make it look all the more official on the paperwork, said Miss Klaus. She opened the rear door of the car and the cat lady got out. What's she doing here? asked Finn. He was slightly scared of the cat lady ever since he was briefly forced to be her apprentice. She's the only registered marriage celebrant in Currawong, said Miss Klaus. It used to be a service we offered at the circus, explained the cat lady. For ten dollars you could get married during the interval at the big top. For an extra five dollars the bride and groom got fairy floss. Why did you bring a marriage celebrant? asked Dad nervously. He asked, even though he was pretty sure he knew. He just desperately hoped he had misunderstood. We need to expedite your wedding to Miss Bjorg, said the lawyer. The Department of Immigration have lodged their own counterclaims with the Immigration Court. We want to preempt that by finalising the marriage contract. What do you mean? asked April. Your father needs to marry Miss Borg right now, today, stated Miss Klaus. Silence fell for two seconds until Loretta yelled, Catch him! because Dad had taken off running down the street. It only took five minutes to catch Dad and bring him back to the courthouse. Dad wasn't a fast runner. He ate too many of his own homegrown potatoes for that, so Pumpkin soon caught up and playfully sank his teeth into Dad's ankle, which made Dad stumble, trip over a water meter and land in Mrs Hazelmere's rosebush. So as they gathered ten minutes later inside the dusty, rarely used courtroom, with Constable Pike and Tom's grandmother as the two witnesses, Dad made for a very blood-stained bridegroom, while Ingrid, standing there in sweaty, muddy active wear, looked fantastic. 
Rightio, can we get on with this? asked the cat lady. My cows don't milk themselves. Their udders get painful if I haven't seen to them by eight o'clock. Oh, please proceed, encouraged Miss Klaus, checking her watch. I want to lodge the paperwork ASAP. Okie dokie, said the cat lady, flipping through her folder. Here we go. Wedding ceremony. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... The cat lady squinted at the page. I can't read this. I forgot my reading glasses. I'll just paraphrase. Fine, agreed Miss Klaus. Okay, said the cat lady, flipping the book shut and chanting something that she had clearly said many times in a sing-song voice. Do you, Harold Octavius Pesky, take Ingrid Sarah Bjorg to be your lawfully wedded wife, to love and honour her from this day forth and for as long as you both shall live? There was silence except for the scurrying of cockroaches in the dark corners of the room and the wind creaking the rusty iron roof. Everyone stared at Dad, waiting for him to speak. Um, said Dad nervously. Everyone leaned in slightly closer to hear what he would say. Dad turned to Ingrid, looking into her startlingly blue eyes. They looked like alpine lake water, blue and pure. You could almost drown in them. Dad almost wished he could drown in them to avoid this excruciating moment of decision. But he had to say something. Dad drew a deep breath and said, I... Suddenly the door burst open, and a bedraggled, rake-thin woman staggered into the room. Stop! cried the woman. She lurched towards them. She was clearly exhausted. Who are you? demanded Miss Klaus. She had been expecting some sort of legal intervention, but usually legal intervention came from someone better dressed. I am Svedlana Berovsky, said the woman between panting breaths. I am here to stop this wedding. I have been sent by... She struggled for breath. The suspense was agonising. Everyone was desperate to know. Who sent you? asked Loretta. Professor Maynard asked Finn. The Department of Immigration, asked Miss Klaus. No, harassed the thin woman. She lurched forward again and clutched hold of Dad's forearm for support. I have been sent to stop this wedding by Dr. Eleanor Banfield, your wife. Dad yelped with fear. The woman collapsed with exhaustion. April grinned triumphantly. I knew Mum wouldn't let us down. And that is the end of the chapter and the end of the book. So we're going to leave it there. I know it is really quite a cliffhanger. Well, there's a couple of options for you. You can go and buy the next book because there are two more books in the series, The Pesky Kids 4, oh God, Near Extinction, and the final one is Pesky Kids 5, fi- The Final Mission. So they're the next two books. You can go buy them and read them yourself because literacy is so important and being better at reading is so important and I'm sure you'd enjoy them. Um, if you don't want to do that, though, what you could do is you could just wait because hopefully I will come back to doing The Pesky Kids in January, maybe February 2023. Um, in the meantime, from next week onwards, I'm going to go back to the original format of this podcast and I'm going to be doing weekly episodes that are a little bit longer, about 20 minutes each week. And next week, I'm going to kick off with a story from Friday Barnes 10, which is the one all set in Norway. What's it called? Friday Barnes Undercover. So that's what we'll be doing next time. And by next week, I actually mean Wednesday. So that's two days from now. But then from that point on, we'll go back to weekly episodes. Okay, so that's it from me. Until next time, goodbye.